listening to Doing Law Differently, a podcast that explores how leaders in law are thinking outside the box and challenging the status quo. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as we discover how the world's most progressive law firms and law companies are doing law differently. Hello, welcome back to Doing Law Differently podcast. I'm Lucy Dickens, and today I'm joined by Zinta Harris of Resolve Estate Law. Now, more often than not, when I interview people on the show, it's the first time that I've spoken to them. But I met Zinta about a year ago in person at the launch of her book, Rest in Peace. And it was at that event that I learned that Zinta isn't our typical disputed estate lawyer. What really stood out to me from that event was not only the clear passion that Zinta has for what she does, but how she takes such a holistic approach and how much care she has for her clients and the issues that they're going through. I talked to Zinta about this and her holistic approach to the practice of disputed estates. Zinta takes a truly human client focused approach to the practice of law in her firm, which is wonderful. If you speak to any service designer, they will tell you to look for moments to delight your customers. And that's something that Zinta is truly doing. Another thing that I love is that technology isn't the key focus of this interview. In fact, I don't think we talk about technology at all. Don't get me wrong, I'm all for the tech. I work with practice management software developers and I have a huge part to play in that. But it's a total myth that technology is the only answer to disrupting law. Before I hit play on the interview, a little bit more about Zinta. She is the founder of Resolve Estate Law, which is a boutique specialist estate law firm. They specialize in brokering peaceful resolutions to family disputes over inheritance so that people can avoid the family war. They also simplify complex estate administration processes so that clients can focus on what's more important to them. And Zinta is a pioneer for collaborative practice in wills and estates, which she talks more about during the interview. Enjoy! Zinta, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, it's such a pleasure, Lucy. Now, as you know, I am a huge fan of the little gift that you give to your clients. And this is a small gesture, and it's only just the beginning, I think, of what how you're practicing law in a, in a unique way. And what you're doing goes so much deeper than some tea and essential oils. But I love that. And I think it's a great metaphor for what you stand for as a business. So I wanted to start there. So tell our listeners about this little gift that you give and tell us what it is and why and what it represents for you. Absolutely. So I'm an estates lawyer and I tend to work largely in contested estates and complex estate administration. So when clients come to see me, you know, they're often mourning the loss of a loved one and they're sometimes facing on top of that the overlay of potential horrible litigation with um, their family members. So while I like to take a holistic approach with my clients and so in part of the messaging I want to give to them, it's really about making sure that they're looking after themselves in the process and taking time out for themselves to be able to really think on what it is that matters more than what the legal issues are in front of them. So in doing my book launch, which I I did last year, I was in touch with a few people that were working in palliative care and in mental health. And Rachel was my palliative care nurse with um, loads of experience who had gone into nutrition and then into essential oils. So she speaks a lot about patients in that context, having the oils as something they could do for themselves 
that was completely in their control that allowed them to change the way that they felt in a moment. So the oils really, I thought, was an amazing way, a really simple way to give my clients something in a similar way that allowed them to do the same for themselves. Whenever they you know, got a stressful email or if they just needed to do something one morning when they were feeling down, whatever it was, it was something to do with, you know, again, something giving them a tool with which they could use. And similarly with the tea, Sky Hoyle has become a mental health advocate and her story comes from depression and other things in her family. But again, I thought, well, there's plenty of people in grief who also often aren't even given the time and the space to have those moments to themselves and often are even criticised for taking too long to get over something or whatever it might be. And it's just the furthest thing away from their truth and their reality. So the teas again, are something that I encourage my clients to do and it requires a process. The tea making itself, you know, it's a few moments where you have to wait for the tea to steep and then you pour it and then you drink it. And whether that is with a conversation with somebody or whether it's by yourself as you're journaling or something like that, it's just a reminder again to my clients to take a moment for themselves to take time out to stop for a minute. So they're the two reasons why I picked those two products to um, put in as a little gift. Yeah, I love it. It's beautiful. Law is so often portrayed as such a harsh profession and I think that you give this little gentle gift and it demonstrates so clearly that you're interested in the bigger picture you care about them as a person it just sets you apart and I I mentioned to you before we hit record that I was at your book launch which was where I heard that this is what you do and I think about it quite often when I'm designing our services thinking how can we do something that's a little bit different and a little bit unique that shows what we value and I just think it's lovely so thanks for sharing all that with us that's all right Now, part of that is that you talk about offering your clients a holistic support in their journey. What do you mean by that? Beyond the telling them to take a bigger picture look and care about themselves, what does holistic support mean in your firm? Well, if we can, we try and take a collaborative approach in terms of helping people resolve disputes and things like that. So that involves involving other professions in the process. So that will often mean looking at financial wellness so looking at what a change in financial circumstance could mean so a bit of financial planning coaching that kind of thing as well as you know as I said their their mental health and and self-awareness is really important but in that it's more than just taking time out for yourself and it's more than just looking after yourself because what we're trying to do when we're looking at that dispute resolution process we're really asking people to try and make decisions based on their own values. And when you've lost a loved one, it can really shake you to the core. And unless you take the time out to assess what those values are and whether or not they've changed or not changed as the result of the loss of your loved one, you'll flounder for making the right decision for yourself in that moment because a lot of things can change for people. So I think that's really an important part of what we ask people to do. It involves journaling. It involves them doing some self-reflection, asking other people around them for feedback, getting them to imagine what their forever altered new normal might look like as much as they can try and do that to try and to get them through what is one of the most difficult processes anyone needs to face. So that's a holistic approach as well. And of course, we tap in then if people need to have counselling 
um, as part of that process, whether it's grief counselling or whether it's just past issues that need to be dealt with or communications coaching, we try to access that for our clients as well. So it's far bigger than just the legal application of some legal principles to a legal problem. What kind of response do you get from your clients if they're coming in seeing a lawyer thinking I'm seeing a lawyer with to deal with my legal issue and then there you are offering them support for the big picture for the whole of life approach what reaction do you get to that does it surprise them I think it probably does surprise them in a good way I mean yeah yeah in a good way yeah (laughs) I mean I don't often start with that as a lead process you know I will explain to them what we try to take a holistic approach and involve those additional disciplines as and where needed but sometimes clients take a while to even recognize that they need or want to have access to those types of services so I think partly it's a journey and partly it's relationship building with clients until they trust you and understand where you're coming from when you're suggesting that because I'm not saying to clients you know you're a nutcase you need to go and get counseling Um, you're basically saying to people in their journey because we as lawyers whether we like it or not particularly if we've got any ounce of sympathy or empathy in us will inevitably hear the stuff that keeps our clients awake at night. You know, it, we will hear all that in the conversations we're having. So if I'm having really long conversations with clients who are struggling, that I, I can hear they're struggling with the external issues or even managing their own emotions or if they're having trouble sleeping at night, I can't be the counsellor for them. I'm not skilled in that set of skills. And I, I say to people, it's really important to, for them to get that professional advice And sometimes better that they get it not from their lawyer because they can talk far more openly about a whole lot of other things that might be completely irrelevant to the legal issues at hand where a skilled person can give them that assistance. And I've got to say, I had one client recently who went through a really, really hotly, horribly contested estates matter. And she went and saw a counsellor pretty much the entire way through the process. And she used to see her, I think it was on a Tuesday, on a fortnight. And every time I had a conversation with my client on the Tuesday afternoon after she'd seen her psychologist, the the difference in her outlook on life, the difference in her capacity to take the next blow in the litigation was just palpable. I mean, she just travelled that journey in a far better way for herself than anyone else I've ever seen do it, who's really committed to that process. So your approach to resolving disputed estates is a collaborative approach, and you've mentioned this before. And I think you told me you're the first firm in Australia who offers collaborative wills and estate service, which in itself is brilliant. So tell me about that. What does that look like? And how is it different to the traditional approach to contested estates? Well, um, this, oh gosh, you're going to have to shut me down. I can talk about this forever. (laughs) Um, so this has really become my passion. I mean, it's very different. My very first um, estate that I ever did as a junior lawyer was a terribly awful contested estate. And I keep thinking every time I do one in the 20 years that I've been in practice, I keep thinking, oh, I can't get much worse than this. And then it does. And it's awful. And even though I've always been a collegiate practitioner and tried to work practically to solve and get to a settlement quickly I think I just became really frustrated with the only pathway unless you could get to a settlement through a mediation was really litigation and even then with the mediation it's late stage Mm -hmm. it's court required 
It's a last ditch effort and it became a shuttle style mediation where the damage to all the family relationships well and truly done, all the affidavits, you know, with all the caustic, horrible stuff in them exchanged, public, able to be searched, the letters exchanged between lawyers, only entrenching people in their positions. And it just, I don't know, I've just become so frustrated. I keep saying I'm so, I must be getting, it's my age or something. I don't know. I'm just getting tired of (laughs) dealing with (laughs) It's frustrating. It is. But you know what you're doing, Zintu, is you're saying this doesn't work and I'm going to find a way of fixing it. Whereas I'm saying, I don't like this. I'm going to let someone else deal with contested estates and I go do something else. Yeah, yeah. And it, absolutely. And there are definitely, in, there's a real chasm, well, a division, I shouldn't say about chasm, but a division often between the solicitors who work in estate planning versus yeah. estate administration and particularly contested. And, they, and there's a lot that just don't want to do it. And then sometimes the mm. ones that do want to do it are the real litigation people. They really want to litigate. And that's collaborative process is not for everybody. Yeah. But when I started hanging out with a bunch of family lawyers through Clarissa Raywood's Happy Lawyer, Happy Life Club, it was when I first began hearing about the collaborative practice in family law context. And I just kind of, it, it's, I just said, why can't this happen it's the same concept why can't we do that too like it's one piece of pie people are fighting over one piece of pie it needs to be divided there's family tensions and yeah we've got some quite big differences in terms of numbers of parties and everything else and I seriously thought I was going to walk out the door go and find who was doing it and learn from them and then I realized no one was doing it (laughs) and I was like okay so (laughs) um so then I really, and I then I reached out to the International Collaborative Practitioners Association in America. I was put in touch with another group there who were just starting to do this work in the States, both in the pre-death context as well as in the post-death context. And really, I pretty much just decided that this was what I was going to dedicate the rest of my working life to doing. I will do it and I will train others how to do it. And if I can make this part of the estates law world a little better, before I leave, that's my goal. <laughs> See, it's wonderful. Tell me, what does it look like, though? If, if I'm engaging you and we're going through a collaborative approach, how does it look different to the other traditional approach? I think in the traditional approach, we often give people advice around, this is what you should get, this is you know, yeah. what the law says you should have, and try and try and, sadly, we inadvertently position our clients then to have that expectation and entrench themselves in that position. So in the litigation approach, you'll have traditionally lengthy letters exchanged between solicitors unless someone's collegiate and picks up the phone and tries to talk settlement early. And sometimes that doesn't work. And then you'll go down the process. You actually have to file proceedings and then that follows with an affidavit and then you go through the process and hopefully get to a mediation where it all gets sorted. But in the collaborative approach, it's a very different approach because it's an early intervention and interdisciplinary approach where the lawyers for each party agree to be bound in a contract not to go to court and not to threaten litigation. And it then becomes a series of meetings that are held with lawyers and the collaborative team. So depending on what the parties need, might need to have a neutral financial person who comes in to give neutral financial advice to everybody involved around how different impacts, the different types of distributions to various family members might look and how it might meet need if you're doing a family provision type application. And again, you would probably have a communications coach involved purely from the number of parties. 
in the room yeah. so that you've got one person who's kind of sitting up on the balcony, if you like, and, and looking and watching everything happen and listening to all the conversations, but able to then facilitate those conversations to remain positive and stick to the agenda. And the re that's the difference. We, we really, it's not a mediation because it's done over a series of meetings, no longer than two hours each, because we all know that after an hour and a half, we're all stressed and strained and can't think straight anyway. So having them done in shorter bites with specific agendas, resolving issues as we go along with homework being done, it's a completely different process. Faster, a little bit more confronting because you're in the room with your family members and having to deal with that. But one of your key goals is to keep your relationships together. Then you actually have to learn how to do that, yeah. have those communications, even if they are confronting. So, yeah, it's a very different way of practicing in this space. And it's a way that you want to encourage more of, right? So you're training other professionals in collaborative practice. Yes, I am. I'm doing that with um, a partner in crime, Anne-Marie Rice. She's an incredibly experienced collaborative practitioner and mediator in the family law space with, you know, probably equivalent 20 years of experience in those areas. And I think because she's so experienced with those techniques that having her um, part of the co my co-presenting of the course is really critical. So yeah, her and I are doing courses. We've actually got one up coming up in Brisbane in August the 5th and 19th and Sydney on the 6th and 7th of September. We've got waiting lists of actually people who are ringing in. I think I think actually WA is a, run, a forerunner on our next trainings. Yeah, I saw you mention that. Yeah, and then South Australia. So we are going to roll out some more trainings. Yeah, but we're both really passionate about seeing change in this space because it's not just good for clients. It's also really good for lawyers mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. all of a sudden we're working in a space where we're positively problem solving and you get those really wonderful moments that those goosebump moments where you actually see relationships repaired or an issue resolved in a way that kind of almost brings healing to the family in the process as well. And it's a real kind of positive, uplifting way of practicing, putting all of your lawyering skills and all of that wise counsel and all of the stuff that you know into a way that actually helps families resolve their own disputes and lets them move on with their life in a way that's long lasting and keeps relationships together. So it's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, it sounds amazing. And I look forward to the training coming to WA, even though I don't practice in contested disputes because of the reasons I just told you, but I just think it's, it's fascinating and it's really interesting and I'm excited to see it all play out and unfold. And you say, even though you're not in contested, the interesting part about my conversation with the American group was that they're doing as much of this work in the planning phase. So they're doing as much of the work in facilitating families who know that there's going to be a problem, often blended families. I mean, gosh, we've got so many of blended families being the norm these days. Facilitating conversations around that so that the planning can be adjusted to meet expectations and everybody feels that their wishes, their needs are taken into account and the planning's done in a holistic way again addressing all the problems that often triggers for the contested dispute in the first place. So yeah. prevention, you know, in a preventative yeah. way. So it's not being left for the family to mop up after somebody dies. It's we're actually yeah. going to sit down and talk about this beforehand. 
And that's confronting for families too. Because sometimes people don't want to do that. They just want to leave it. Who cares? Well, they'll sort it out when they're dead. But gosh, if you see the other side of it too often, you wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy, let alone a family that you love. (laughs) Zinta, thank you so much for joining me and for sharing a little insight into what you're doing over at Resolve. I'll include a link to Resolve Estate Law in the show notes. It's resolveestatelaw.com.au. And it's a new website that you have recently published and it is absolutely beautiful. So people should go and have a look. Yeah, thank you. And do let your listeners know that those um, courses are closing and Early Bird for Sydney is also closing around that same time. Okay. I'll put all the links to the pages where they can go and sign up for the waitlist as well. Yeah, great. Thanks, Lucy. Thank you, Zinta. So that's all from Doing Law Differently today. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, I'd love it if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes. It makes a big difference because it really helps other people to find out about the show. And lastly, if you or someone who you know is doing law differently, then send them my way at doinglawdifferently.com.au forward slash guest. I'd love to have as much variety on the show as possible. So do send them over. See you next week. You've been listening to the Doing Law Differently podcast. Visit doinglawdifferently.com.au.